And we are back, Devils on the Rush, episode 19. We are back from a all-star break. Alex, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, you know, nice little week off. Not from the podcast, just no games. It was nice to recover a little bit and not have to stay up late all the time. Uh, but uh, pretty good week of Devils hockey again, so definitely can't complain. Yeah, five out of six points. Um a shootout against the Canucks, uh, a, a solid win against the Kraken, and an unfortunate shootout loss to the Wild last night, but definitely played well for, for most of the game. There was some, some spurts that we can get into um, that, you know, it, it looked like the Wild just wanted it a little bit more, but uh, we'll all get that into that uh, into the episode. I uh, want to wish everyone a happy Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, let's get into it. Alex, the Canucks game, that was a wild one. Yeah, that uh, that was probably, I don't know if it was the biggest roller coaster of the Devils season from the top of my head, but it was definitely one of them, you know, up 4-1, and then the Canucks storm back to tie it. They've done that pretty well, actually, this season. And, you know, the Devils found a way to come away with the win in overtime, as they've done so many times uh, over the last month. But, uh, yeah, that was a wild one, that's for sure. Yeah, that 50-second spurt of three goals was just insane, uh, you know, and, and just to confirm again, uh, Palat does listen to the podcast. Uh, his his recent <laughs> performances indicate as much. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's start off with the first goal. Kuzmenko absolutely danced Dougie Hamilton and, and, and put uh, a beauty past VTech. And then Jack Hughes responded uh, late in the period. Then we moved to the second period. We have the three goal burst and then give up two late in that period, which was a little concerning. Um, and then they tie it in the third. Um, what did you see in that game? Yeah, so I, that was a weird game. I think the score kind of reflects the the flow of play in that game too. Like I thought the Devils got off to a bit of a slow start, and then they really got it going, and they were the better team uh, up until they went up four one, and then the Canucks really took back play after that and to tie it. Um, that's kind of been you know some of the concern with the Devils' uh, play really for the last month or so. Even we're talking probably a month and a half at this point. Just not been consistent at 5-on-5. They've had a lot of up-and-down swings. So we saw a lot of that throughout the week, to be honest, not just the Canucks game. Uh, but they found the way to win thanks to Dougie Hamilton just ripping one-timers in, the, you know, in overtime as he's done a few times this season. Um, but well, I, actually, I think it was concerned. Jesper with... I think it was Jesper with the OT. Was that the Je- yeah, that was the Jasper one. Yeah. But don't worry, Dougie did have three assists, which seems to be pretty common as of late. Yeah, no, he's been playing some ridiculous hockey this season especially as as of late offensively um i guess you can argue about some of his defensive work like the kuzmenko goals a little bit i guess an example of that there was he just got over aggressive trying to take the puck away from kuzmenko and kuzmenko just made him look silly if he had just kept inside position there i don't even think kuzmenko could have gotten off a quality shot but you know it is what it is that's what happened but yeah i can't really complain about dougie he was really good in that canucks game otherwise um you know, like you said, three yeah, I think it's a little bit of give and take with him, right? He's a very aggressive player. He wants to make the spectacular offensive play, and nine out of ten times he does. But I think it does leave him a little bit exposed from time to time with how aggressive he is trying to move the puck, or maybe he's a little bit out of position and gives up a two-on-one or something like that. But uh, overall, I think his impact is more positive than negative. Yeah, no, that's 100% agree with that. His positive, his impact is definitely way more positive than it is negative most of the time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else from that Canucks game because was, there was a lot of stuff happening there. Um, Jackie, Jackie had uh, two goals. Uh, it was the last we've seen of Jackie more recently because of an injury. Um, I, I really don't know where it came from. Do you have any idea where, where, where Hughes' injury came from in that game? I don't even know if it was in that game. Maybe it was something he suffered before the All-Star break and he was kind of playing through it. But then, you know, they looked at the, I guess they're placing the standings and they're like, we don't want this to get worse. We're, you know, as, as of the last night, they're 11 points up on the Washington Capitals who are in fourth place in the Metropolitan Division. So they have a huge cushion at this point of the season. So maybe they just kind of looked at things and were like, 
let's give him a week or two off here. We can afford to. And, you know, so far they've gotten three out of four points without him. So job well done. But I can't really think of a specific play where he got hurt. Um, they said upper body injury, right? So I, yeah, I don't, I don't even, I can't even think of a where, where he got hurt. It, just, nothing comes off the top of my head. Yeah. I, uh, I completely agree. Let's put some bubble wrap on them um, because these games uh, are, you know, they're important, but I think uh, March is definitely a little bit more important and April as we get into the home stretch of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, like right now, it's. I think you just the schedule isn't too bad. We've talked about this on previous episodes. Like the schedule this month isn't terrible. Uh, it gets pretty bad though after the trade deadline in March. They're gonna they have that week where they play the the Lightning three times, and then there's a Panthers game sandwiched in between it. Like that alone is pretty difficult. So you're gonna want him health as healthy as possible by that point of the season. So um, yeah, I think right now if they're just you know, there's a lot of talk about like load management in the NBA. And I guess this is sort of like load management, but in Jack's case, he's actually hurt. They're just kind of managing, you know, the injury to make sure it doesn't get worse. Um, so yeah, they, I think that's fine. And they're doing all right without him so far. They've survived more than survived really. So can't complain. Yeah. And, and listen, if, if they just capitalized on a few, you know, breakaway chances or two-on-ones last night, that game would have been in the bag. Um, you know, there was definitely positive steps forward for some of the bottom six that had to play a little bit of an elevated role, and, and they seemed to answer the bell minus the score sheet. Um, so then we can move on to Thursday against the Kraken. I think this was a lot better performance against the Kraken than the first game. I think the first time we played them was the end of a road trip, and we were lucky to get a point out of that one. Um, this game, we did start off slow. I think the first period was was pretty bad. The Kraken were all over as a, I forget the shot total, but it was something like 11 to 2, 11 to 3 for, for most of the first period. Um, Blackwood, outstanding game by Blackwood, which is very encouraging to see as we go. Uh, into this meaty portion of the schedule and hopefully something um, that Lindy Ruff can lean back on that he knows he has two goalies that can give you a stellar performance each night. Yeah, I thought Blackwood, I don't want to say he was like the main reason they got two points out of the game because Dougie, that, that was the game Dougie had two goals, right? So Yeah, that, um, that was a game Dougie put the team on his back and was like, let's do this, boys. Yeah, so like Dougie had a pretty significant say in how that game went. Um, I do agree with you, though. I thought the Devils definitely played better this time around against the Kraken than they did the first time. Um, something that I kind of noticed in doing the wild write-up, which we'll get into in the, the second here, but the third period's kind of become a little bit of a concern for the Devils, too. You know, I think that Kraken game, is um, they were playing fine at 5-on-5, five five, uh, the first two periods. I think it was basically about dead even between the two teams. But they didn't really. The Devils didn't really do anything in the third period against the Kraken. They did score. They like they won that period one nothing in the scoreboard because it was. But that was because of Mackenzie Blackwood and Dougie Hamilton. But the Kraken were definitely the better team at five on five um, in that period. So I do have a little. I have a little bit of concern about the Devils' third period play recently. Maybe it's just like a couple game trend here. But there was something against the Canucks too. I mean, the Canucks came back. Uh, obviously the late goals in the second period, but they were also giving it to the Devils in the third period of that game as well. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the issue is in the third period at this point, but the, that Kraken game, it was something that stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the Kraken were definitely pushing to to tie the game. But to be fair, I also thought, you know, they didn't give anything up. They had a lot of block shots from the forwards and defensemen. Um, I can't remember. Maybe there was one or two really good scoring opportunities for the Kraken in the third. Um, but I thought overall, you know, they got the empty netter. They, uh, they added a second goal on the power play. You know, that's that's what you want them to do, right? You want them to close out that game without without giving up any other blood. Um, and then I think another thing to point out, and obviously because we talked about it with Dougie's two power play goals, but also the penalty kill was outstanding in that game. Uh, they killed off a five-on-three and then a four-on-five, uh, five-on-four. Um, it was They were probably in the penalty box for, you know, three to four straight minutes there. So, uh, yeah, and, and Blackwood was 
you know, outstanding. Um, but I think even on the five on three, I thought their positioning was great and they kept a lot of the shots uh, to the outside. Um, did, did you see that as well? Yeah, from what I remember, I felt like the Kraken, if they got good scoring attempts, they were either Blackwood saved them or they, were, they weren't hitting the net with them. Uh, I mean, the Devil's penalty kill has been really, really good pretty much the whole season. So top I'm not 10, surprised. Top before. 10 penalty kill, which is awesome. And, and that's been something pretty consistent with this team, even even in the lean years. Yeah, I mean, even under Elaine Nazardine, they had like top 10, 15 penalty kills all seasons, but one. And I think that was the COVID shortened season in 2020, 2021, which was Lindy Ruff's first season with the Devils. Um, so yeah, strong penalty kill has been kind of a consistent thing with the Devils for quite some time. Um, I mean, Vegas had a good penalty kill on the Ryan McGill uh, for the most part, too. So he's kind of just kind of brought that over with him to uh, to New Jersey. Um, but yeah, I didn't think the Kraken really, they didn't like, there weren't any scoring chances where I was like, oh, oh my God, I think what, what's happening here. I think the Devils did a good job of keeping things to the outside. And, you know, that's what you want your penalty kill to do, especially when you're down two men, uh, which they were. I mean, if the Kraken score... In that situation, the final score could have been much different than what it ended up being. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I also thought uh, Marino got his legs under him in that game. I think he, you know, I think the Vancouver game. It was, you know, you could see that it was his first game back. I think it was a little bit noticeable. Uh, wasn't as sure on the puck. Um, you know, was was questioning some of his reads. Um, but I thought he he really stepped up in that cracking game and and. Well, I wouldn't say it was the John Marino of the beginning of the season, but it definitely was was a step in the right direction. Yeah, uh, someone pointed it out on Twitter. It was maybe CJ or Todd. Uh, I can't remember, but uh, Damon Severson's and Marino's ice time that game totally flipped. I think Severson ended up playing maybe like 16, 17 minutes, and Marino was back in the low 20s. So, And that was the case against the Wild last night as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Ruff is getting more comfortable putting Marino back in that role he had before the injury. I still don't think he's a hundred percent of the way there, um, but he's definitely trending in the right direction. Yeah. And, and you saw him um, jump up in the rush a little bit more, you know, providing that fourth or even third person in the rush. So uh, definitely encouraging signs for John because we're definitely yeah. going to need him in, in, in the home stretch. Yeah, I think it's still going to probably, because he was out for what, like five weeks or even a little more than that, maybe about a month and a half. So I think it will take him, you know, maybe another week or two for him to really get back to where he was in the beginning of the season. But by that point, you're in the stretch run, probably around the trade deadline at that point. And that's when you're really going to need him to be up to speed. Um, You know, they're in a good spot right now. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens going forward there, but it sure seems like Ruff is comfortable putting him back in that uh, role he had with Ryan Graves before the injury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add from the from the Kraken game? Um, no, I think that I thought one thing and then carried over into the wild game too is that Yegor Sharangovich had a pretty good game against the Kraken too. Um, seems like he's starting to play a little better, which will help the team, assuming he sticks with them past the trade deadline. You know, who knows what happens at this point. But, um, yeah, I thought he played pretty well against the Kraken. Um, and they're going to need his depth scoring going forward. So, so hopefully he can break through at some point. Yeah, I need to know what's going on there, right? Uh, hopefully we get a Sharon Govich goal streak coming pretty soon. Uh, maybe he's hired a nanny and he's not waking up uh, throughout the night with, with the newborn. Um, but yeah, we, we really need to start to get some more production out of the bottom six. And, and to be fair, we did see that with Tatar, I guess he's a top nine, you know, figure out where you want to put him. Um, but you know, definitely got some more depth scoring in the wild game. However, did fall short in the shootout. What did you see in the wild game, Alex? Yeah. So the wild game was a weird one. It was extremely low event. Like, I think that's just part of the way the wild play. They're not like a run and gun up and down the ice kind of team like the devils are. So you're, I think naturally just not going to get a lot of things happening. The first period was a weird one because the devils five on five numbers were significantly better than the wild, but the devils were also pretty sloppy um, with their puck management. And I think specifically on their breakouts. Um, And I wanted to wait until this game to talk about it. But uh, after the Kraken game, Jack Hahn, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should because he does fancy stats and like video breakdowns and kind of puts everything together. And he watched the Kraken game and he talked um, 
about how the devil's breakouts um, have really kind of become a bit too predictable. I think that would be the best way to put them. And on the first shift of the wild game, uh, what basically what Jack was pointing out was happened on the first shift. Um, Jonas Siegenthaler, he tried to attempt two, two strong side breakouts on his left side since he's a left-handed shot, and both were unsuccessful because either the pass wasn't successful or the wild defenseman recognized the play and pinched down to force a turnover and to keep uh, puck possession in the offensive zone. Um, so that's kind of part of been the reason why I think the Devils have been struggling with these five on five numbers um, and their puck management is teams have recognized what they're trying to do uh, on breakouts out of the defensive zone and they can't get started off the rush that the way they like to. So that's, they need to figure out how to adjust to that because it, it sure seems like other teams have figured out what they're trying to do and the Devils haven't yet tried to figure out what the, you know, the opponents are trying to do. So that's something to work on. But um, after that, I thought the Devils played a pretty decent game. They were definitely the better team in the second period. Um, there's no question about that. Tatar's two goals. And then they had most of the play, I would say, maybe other than like the last few minutes of that second period. And then, you know, like I talked uh, talked about before with the first two games of the week, the third period wasn't... It's not that the Wild had like... Um, well, yeah, the Wild actually did have a bunch of chances, but it's more concerning that the Devils just, um, they're not able to create as many chances in the third period. Kind of took was their really foot off the gas a little bit. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't know and what that is, if, if it's a conditioning thing or is it just a mindset thing, but they, they really need to start finishing off these games in, in a stronger fashion. Because, you know, when we were in the 13-game winning streak, it was it was no problem, right? We were just pounding the puck, forechecking, out shooting teams like crazy and it seems like something's definitely changed uh with the mindset almost yeah and cj had written about this in infernal access a little while ago too how the devils are changing the game uh when it comes to like closing out games and how they don't sit back and stuff in which they really hadn't been doing for like pretty much the whole season um i don't know if they're like intentionally sitting back here in these three games this week or if it's just like some of their puck management has you know, caused some problems and not been, I guess, not allowed them to attack the way they would like to in the third period. But yeah, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a great third period against the wild. And like I said, uh, in my recap of that game too, you know, the wild, uh, they were, I think two and six in their last eight games coming into that. And they really needed to get a positive result just to keep themselves afloat in the uh, playoff picture in the Western Conference, so like it's not a surprise that they came out of the second intermission and just kind of really pushed play because they, they had to get at least a point out of that. Um, but still, uh, the Devils they got to play better than they have in the third period, really the all all week. It's just not good enough moving forward. Like you can only get lucky so many times. Exactly, and and I think Ruff even indicated that in a couple of his press conferences. I think it was specifically the Canucks game where he came out and said, "Yeah, I'm happy we won, but you know, otherwise, I'm not too happy about the way we played." Yeah, it was more or less what he said about the game last night too. Like, I forget who asked him about it, but um, I missed the presser last night, so yeah, I'll, I'll defer to you on that one. Yeah, he's just like um, you know, the biggest takeaway is like we could come come away with a come out of a point with this one, but like um, he was talking about puck management specifically in the first period, um, how it wasn't good enough, and then I think it was Amanda Stein who asked him about like how would you compare the first and third periods to each other, and uh, I don't really remember what he said, but I mean, if you could watch, you could just watch the third period, and it was kind of obvious the wild were the better team in the third period i think it was just good the devils ended up getting a point out of that because vanacek was quite good in the third period so um yeah definitely i have some concerns in their third period play um i'd have to go back and look further um than this past week to see if it's just like a bigger trend or if it's uh these last three games but uh something to keep an eye on as we start the new week here especially since uh and this we'll talk about it later but this new week uh it's pretty favorable to the devils as well yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get into some 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 new stuff here. I know you went on the podcast tour the past week. <laughs> um, you you uh, you know went on with some of our friends across the Devils fandom, um, and more specifically, I think you were talking about a lot of uh, trade rumors or potential trade yeah. pieces. I I think you put out three or four different pieces for hockey writers. Um, so if you haven't checked those out, listeners, please do. Alex does a great job 
diving deep into potential fits and how they would fit into the devil system, what, what we would have to give up, et cetera, et cetera. So shout out to those hockey writers pieces. So please check them out. But Alex, let's get into some of that stuff. Cause I know, I know the listeners are eager as the Islanders have made a move. The Rangers have made a move. So now uh, I think Mike Rupp has, has stated it multiple times on Twitter. It's time for the devils to make a move. Um, so what are you hearing? What, what are you seeing? Uh, I know Friedman's had some input. Uh, Cervelli has had some input, but let, let's hear it from you, Alex. Yeah. So I went on a couple podcasts last week, as you mentioned, and you know, one of the players I had talked about as a potential fit for the devils was Vladimir Tarasenko, but obviously he got traded to the Rangers on Thursday. I think that was so, we can cross that off the list. You know, Elliot Friedman had connected him to the three New York teams. Uh, he said, I think on the Friday episode of 32 Thoughts, that uh, just being in the New York area really appealed to Tarasenko. Um, you know, he talked about like Russian culture in the area and stuff like that. So um, understandable. Um, you know, I think if the Devils had missed, end up missing out on Timo Meyer and if Tarasenko had remained on the trade market i would have put good money on him ending up in new jersey but uh obviously that can't happen anymore obviously timo meyer the biggest uh you know he gets been connected to the devils with for what for seems like forever um i was listening to dfo rundown with frank saravalli and Justin, jason gregor on friday and they both talked about how uh the devils are like the perfect fit for meyer given what they need um you know his age and how they have the cap space to pull it off um you know I don't know what the price is going to be. Right, yeah. I mean, half the Swiss national team is with the Devils. I mean, you got to assume Akira Schmid will be the Swiss national team goalie at some point, too. So, um, yeah, that definitely helps. Um, I don't know how far along talks are. I would assume they're pretty deep at this point, but based on what Pierre Lebrun tweeted, I think this was on Saturday morning, you know, the Sharks still haven't allowed uh, teams in Myers camp to talk extension yet, so... It's not at the point where a deal is imminent, but at this time of the year, as Elliot Friedman says, one call could change everything. So who knows? Uh, I, obviously, the Devils have to put everything in to getting Meyer. Uh, with the Rangers getting Tarasenko, obviously, they're out of the Meyer sweepstakes now. There's just no possible way they could make it work. Um, so I think this ultimately comes down to the Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes for Timo Meyer, and we'll see what happens because... The Hurricanes definitely have the pieces to make a deal work. I think the Devils have better pieces, but the Hurricanes can make it work too. And uh, it's basically an arms race between the Hurricanes and the Rangers and Devils at this point for the Metropolitan Division. I wouldn't. I know the Islanders got Bo Horvat, but they got one out of four points between the Canucks and Canadians games those last two games, so I don't really consider them a threat at all. Um, so we'll see what happens with Meyer, but he's obviously the big fish uh, that the Devils really need to put all their chips in to try to get because he would definitely be a difference maker for this team. Yeah, and what did you make of the comments about Fitz? Uh, I guess there was some uh, news that was reported that Fitz basically let the Sharks know, listen, hey, if you get a, an offer and you're ready to accept it, at least give us last licks to, to, to top that offer. What do, you, what do you make of that? Because uh, I have my opinion, and I'll give it uh, after after I hear yours. Yeah, so that was also Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts. He he said that on the Friday episode, I believe. Um, my thing is that, obviously, I think he fits really... That, to me, says that Fitz wants Timo Meyer real bad. And, you know, I don't know if the Sharks... I mean, Mike Greer... I've, excuse me, has a past relationship, but the Devils were, there's a lot of connections really between the Sharks and the Yeah, I think we touched Devils on and, that in previous episodes of, uh, I mean, it just, it just seems like a match made in heaven with all the connections there. Yeah, Mike Greer, you know, Tom Fitzgerald's brothers, the player personnel for the, a director of player personnel for the Sharks, Claude Lemieux is um, Timo Meyer's agent. So like, I know Fitz is saying, call, you know, give me a call. We'll put like a final offer if that's the case. And given the past relationships, maybe Greer does that. But um, to me, it just says Fitz really wants Timo Meyer bad and he will put a final offer through. Uh, He wants to put a final offer to try to match whatever the Sharks think is their best uh, deal coming their way. Um, Whether the Sharks will think that final offer is good enough, I don't know. But uh, to me, it just means that Meyer is their main target and they want him as bad as possible. So, so I agree with everything you said there. Uh, I agree that Fitz really wants it done. Um, and I think 
Devils fans are probably just itching because, you know, the two uh, local rivals have made a move. To me, what that also says, and, you know, correct me if, if you think I'm completely off base here, is that the Devils have made a, an offer, and I think Fitz believes that's a very strong offer, but I also think Fitz doesn't want to bid against himself, right? I think Fitz yeah, wants... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that's why I think he says that, right? Like, this is our offer, but, like, why am I going to start upping the game if if I'm bidding against myself here? So that's why he wants last lick. So I, I think it's a, it's a smart move on Fitz's part. But then again, you know, Greer doesn't have to let Fitz know, you know, hey, up your offer, right? That, that you know, hopefully it's a handshake type of deal, something like that. But, you know, it, it's... As the days tick by, you know, I guess we just get more restless and more restless with with not having Timo uh, in, in the black and red. Uh, yeah, Timo Mania has been insane on social media for I don't even know how long at this point. I've, I've, I I've lost track. they're making shirts now. I saw some guy on Twitter with like just like a give me Timo shirt or something like that. They started chants at The Rock, I believe, Novo. Yeah. Uh, had posted some stuff. It, it's getting wild. Yeah, I can't. If the Devils don't get Timo Meyer, I the whole I think Devils Twitter is just going to need like a group therapy session with like a renowned therapist or something like that. It's not going to be pretty. Um, yeah, you have to get um, Doctor Ruth. Yeah, I'm uh, anybody, somebody, somebody good. That's for sure. It's it's not going to be pretty. Um, so hopefully they get Meyer. I think just for everyone's sanity at this point. But if not, there's like there's still options. Like if they don't get Meyer. Now that Tarasenko's off the the board, you know, you got to be looking at Brock Besser at this point. Like, I think it's just kind of obvious he's plan B, um, given the Devils have been kind of thoughts on Besser, right? Because he's he's had a little bit of a down year, and granted, maybe it's just a change of scenery thing. And and obviously, we all know uh, the personal stuff that Besser's gone through in the past uh, year and a half, but... What what are your thoughts on him as a as a player? I know it's been reported that he is the backup option, but you know there is a, there is quite a bit of term left on him at six six and a half. What what, what do you think about that? Yeah, so like I, Besser is not a player without his flaws. Like he's definitely he's, there's definitely shortcomings in his game, but I I do like Besser more than I think Devils fans seem to um he's not like he's having a down season but cam robinson tweeted it after he had a three-point game against the islanders this week he's um i think he's at 18 points in his last 19 games brock besser that is so like he's been playing pretty well recently you know his trade value is not a lot to begin with so maybe it just raises his stock uh maybe from like a fourth round pick to like a third and a second or something like that because as you said the contract the the canucks they're going to have to retain a little bit on that to make it work for any team. Like no team is taking Besser at the full $6.65 million cap it for the, the next two and a half seasons. But um, you know, the one thing that Besser is really good at is he's good at shooting the puck and putting it in the back of the net. And the Devils don't really, I know he's never topped 30 goals in his career, but he's put up about 29 goals per 82 games for his career. So like he can score and 62 points. It's worth noting that too. 62 points for 82 games for his career. So like he he's good offensively and he would help the Devils power play um, a little bit. Um, so I like him as a fit. I think he is a good change of scenery candidate, as you said. You know the Canucks are obviously there's been so much dysfunction with that organization over the last really year, I guess. Um, but there's also you know what he's dealt with off the ice with his dad passing less than a year ago. And he's only 25 years old, so obviously that's gotta that takes a toll on somebody at any age, but at 25 years old, that's, that's a rough thing to go through. Um, so if, you know, if they don't get Meyer, I would probably put my money on Brock Besser ending up as a devil unless Besser gets traded before then. But um, yeah, we'll see. I like him. I think he'd be a good fit alongside Jack Hughes. You'd have to find a way to kind of cover up his defensive flaws. But um, if you put him like on a line with Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes to the devil's best defensive forwards, probably, you know, I don't think you'd have to worry about that too much. Now let's pivot a little bit, right? We're we're talking about big flashy names right now, goal scorers, top six, top three forwards. What about the bottom six or bottom three? Do you think the Devils need to 
add a little bit more oomph down there, maybe a little bit more size. And I know it's crazy to think because the fourth line is pretty big with Bastion and Wood on it. But let's be honest, Wood is Wood is not the toughest player that we we thought he was when he started out his career as a Devil. And and the reason I say that is is you know it, it's almost looking like we're getting the Rangers first round if everything stays as it is now. And um, and it's most likely that you know maybe the Rangers you know, get to second and we're third, but one way or another, it's looking like the Rangers first round and they're a big physical team. I mean, Truba's head hunting left and right. I mean, you know, he's going to try and at least kill one player on the devils uh, in that <laughs> series. Um, yeah. I mean, look, look, am I wrong? I mean, he's taken multiple no. runs at Nico. Um, look what he did to Nazem Kadri. He sent him into last week. So, you know, do, do you think the Devils make a move there or maybe even a, a bottom six defenseman that can that can really rough some people up? Yeah, I think the bottom six defenseman is for me, I would prefer if they added a bottom six forward. But I think a bottom uh, bottom pair defenseman is more likely the route they go. Um, something I guess this coincides a little bit with what we're talking about right now. But the, Chris Johnson said on a Twitter spaces this week that Damon Severson's name is out there and he is available which I find interesting because it's like pretty good player to have on your third pair um, moving forward, especially for like the playoffs. Um, you know, I think the devils would have to get someone, they would have to get someone who, who could replace his role uh, in a trade for him. And then I don't know, some picks in a prospect or something like that. It, it's um, tough to, it's tough to replace his puck movement though. Right. Like I understand that he has defensive lapses, but I mean, he, he's got elite vision from the defensive zone, you know, on the breakout. Yeah, that's why I don't really see them moving him uh, before the deadline unless they think that's their best path to opening up cap space to make a Timo Meyer deal work. But even then, I, that's not the player I'm. It's not the player I'm moving to free up cap space. It would be Miles Wood because he's been one of the worst players in the league this season. It's just really, really struggled. Um, I think when you look at bottom pair defensemen, uh, you know I've heard Luke Shen's name uh, tied to the Devils from a few different people. Um, I think the price will probably be a little bit too high for him to pay as a rental defenseman. I don't think the Devils are really looking to give up big assets for any kind of rental, so I'm not sure Shen really works out in the long run. Gudis. I was actually thinking Jake McCabe from Chicago. Um, you know, it's, uh, he's pretty much on every trade board at this point, and he's had a pretty solid season for the the um the Chicago Blackhawks, despite them just being absolutely terrible. Um I think he makes a lot of sense as a third pair guy for the Devils. Not a, a ton of offense, but uh his offensive impacts are actually pretty decent and he's a, always been a solid defensive defenseman. I don't know what the price would be for him, but uh I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh one forward that I really like too for the, the bottom six would be Josh Livo. Uh I think I'm pronouncing that right, but if not, sorry Josh. Um, he makes a lot of sense for the bottom six, really more so the fourth line. He's been like one of the best defensive forwards in the league this season. He'd be a significant, significant upgrade over Miles Wood. And uh, I think that's someone they should target from the St. Louis Blues. Um, so yeah, I could see some, I think they're going to make a couple moves. Like I don't think adding a score like Besser or Me- uh, Meyer will be the only thing they do. I think there'll be maybe another smaller move or two after that, just to kind of shore up their depth. Like the Rangers did in the Tarasenko trade by getting Nico Mikola as well. They'll do something like that. And the, he's a big boy too. I mean, the, the Rangers yeah, he's gigantic. Really up. Yeah. Uh, I think he's like six, four two ten. Uh He's not like an enforcer or anything, but obviously at that size, he plays a pretty physical game, um, solid defensively and a good penalty killer. So like if the devils do make an ad on their bottom pair, it would be, I would assume it'd be like a Nico Mikola type and McCabe is sort of, he's not as physical as Mikola, but that would be the type of move you make for that bottom pair. Just the difference is McCabe is a much better, uh, better defenseman overall than Mikola. So that would be a move that I would make. Um, You know, if the Islanders keep sliding, Scott Mayfield makes a lot of sense for the devils. Um, Whether they go through with a deal like that, I don't know, but that would be someone I would be looking at too for defensive depth. Yeah, it's it's you know, and I mean, listen, if you bring in Timo, that that solves two problems, right? You got a a, a top six forward and an ultimate goal scorer, but he's also a big boy, and he's he's not one to shy away from dropping the gloves either. 
Yeah, and he plays, you know, like a, he gets to, his game is all about getting to the net front and scoring goals like that. So he gives the Devils a different look in their top six. And, you know, by adding someone like him or even Besser, it pushes other people down the lineup. So maybe your bottom six gets better in that regard too. And you don't really have to do anything. So you just look at what you can do defensively to kind of try to add some depth there. Cause, Brandon Smith has been out the last couple games with an injury, and he's had an up-and-down season, some good moments, some bad moments. Uh, Kevin Ball has played well against the Wild, but he's really struggled, I think, for the most part this season. So I I would definitely not be surprised if Fitz is looking for a smaller deal to shore up their defensive depth. Yeah, and now let's talk about some reinforcements that could be coming from the AHL or or from the collegiate levels. Um, Most recently, our... Golden boy Luke had the OT winner in the Battle of Michigan last night. Yep. That was, you know, he's been outstanding, you know, with moving possibly Damon Severson. Maybe he slots into that role. What do you, what do you think with Luke? I mean, I would like Luke and Damon Severson to be that third pair for the last couple of weeks of the season in the playoffs. I think... That's kind of, I think that's, if I, it was a while ago when the Avalanche brought Makar uh, to the NHL. I think that was like 17, 18 or something like didn't that. Didn't they wait for Makar to, didn't he play like the first game of the playoffs or something? He didn't. Yeah, did because I think he. season time? Yeah, because uh, that year, if I remember right, UMass won the national title. So like their season went all the way until April 9th or something like that. So like if Michigan gets to the Frozen Four in the national title game, which I think is April 9th again this year or something like that, um, then, you know, Luke is not going to be around for the regular season. But if Michigan doesn't make the Frozen Four and the season ends a little early, he could get some regular season games in before playoff starts which i think would be beneficial to him but i was just looking at like some of his numbers quickly quickly last night and like he's too good for college hockey at this point like he's he's ready for the nhl um you know there will be some growing pains obviously because he's only 19 still which is crazy um but yeah he's ready for the nhl i think um at least offensively there's no doubt about that i mean the guy had 11 shots on goal in that four goal game he had like a week or two ago. So um, that's maybe one reason yeah, why too, you, you don't look to add defensive depth because you know Luke is coming, but like Luke could also not be with the Devils until early April. So do you really want to wait that long to not shore up your defensive depth? And it never hurts to have like a, a McCabe type, uh, you know, for the playoffs too. And, uh, and then you'd have eight defensemen, but who cares in the playoffs? I'm pretty sure there's no roster limits, right? So um it wouldn't load really up at yeah. that point just load yeah. up right let's, let's yeah. just do it um and then i guess you know fans will always ask about nemich in my opinion i don't see him coming up um i don't think they want to burn that that first year of the contract um what do you think yeah i mean i think the i gotta look up uh what the the uh elc slide rule is but i think he, he they could bring him up for nine games i think before he would burn off year from the ELC you know I read Scott Wheeler's um prospect rankings of the Devils which he had he has the Devil system at number two um which is impressive which is considering wild, the Devils. right yeah the, you don't see many teams who are like 34 13 and 5 and have the second ranked prospect system uh so but yeah he said Nemitz I think if I remember right was has been the Comets best player this season um so maybe they do want to bring him up at some point just to give him kind of a look to see where he is uh, for maybe a game or two or something like that, especially if they trade Severson. Then if they're trading Severson, maybe that means they think Nemes is ready to play some NHL games. So that would be something to watch too. And, and um, Nemitz, Nemitz is battle-tested to a certain extent, right? He's gotten three-fourths of a Utica season in. He's played with the big boys in Slovakia. Um, yeah. And he was the captain of the junior team as well. You know, he... he he plays a big boy game, right? I'm not too concerned about him defensively. And it seems like he's starting to hit his stride offensively too in, in, in Utica. Yeah. So, you know, after a slowish start to the season, it's good to see that he's definitely made progress in his development as you know, Scott Wheeler watches a ton of these games. So obviously I trust what he says. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, something that related to this too, and Elliot Friedman had mentioned on the Friday episode of 32 Thoughts is that the Devils are getting calls about their defense prospects. Um, so like Friedman mentioned... Which Shikir is crazy to think, right? Because no one would have called us for defensive prospects three years ago. 
Yeah, not a chance. Exactly. So um, Friedman mentioned a couple names specifically: uh, Shakir Mukhamadulin, Nikita Hatyuk, and Riley Walsh were the three names that I remember him talking about. He said teams have asked about Nemitz. I think he said teams have asked about Nemitz, but obviously it was like get get lost kind of thing. Um, so you know, we talk about like players getting traded up or called up to the to the. Uh, the the Devils' parent club, but you know maybe the Devils look to deal um, some of these players. You know Riley Walsh. I don't I don't really know where he fits in with the, the Devils anymore. He's just kind of they don't even give him a look in the NHL at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if they package Walsh was part of a package to get something else uh, moving forward. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But um, Nemitz, yeah, I would like to see him play NHL games, but I'm with you. I don't really see it happening to be honest. Yeah, I think it's wholly dependent on Damon being moved. Um, I agree. Let you know, let Riley go play. I think he's a great player. I just don't see him fitting into the time frame or uh, you know, with all the prospects and, and current defensive roster that they have, actually him making an impact. And you might find this a little weird, but I would be hesitant to trade Nikita. I know he was hit or miss this season in NHL. He's had some really good games and he's had some really awful games. But if you do get into a physical series or, you know, a couple physical games down the stretch, throw Nikita in because he is a rocket. I mean, he is not scared of anyone. He will drop the gloves. He will lay you out. So I, I, I do appreciate his physical aspect that he brings, even more so than Ball sometimes. I know Ball is massive, but Nikita is very aggressive. Yeah, I think between Ball and Ohachuk, I think the Devils would be more likely to trade Ball than Ohachuk. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Nikita. I think he'll be staying with the organization for the foreseeable future. If they were to trade one of the defense prospects, I think it would be Riley Walsh um, just to kind of give him a chance to go play somewhere else, maybe in a bigger deal, maybe in a smaller deal. I don't really know. Um, and then Shakir, I could see being a part of a package for a bigger deal, like a Timo Meyer. I it would not surprise me if the Devils get Timo Meyer. It would definitely not surprise me if Shakir was part of that package. Shakir Holtz in a first or something like that. Um, cause that's uh, first. Yeah, I don't even know if it would take Holtz. Uh, it's like if Shakir is that in, would be three, th- that would be third three first round picks essentially. Yeah, that's a lot. So if if um if it's like Shakir in a first, I think you're gonna have to. If, to think about giving up um what's uh, sharon govich sorry drew a blank there for a second yes yeah, i think sharon govich could be a part of that package i think was it friedman who also said in one of his 32 thoughts written pieces that the sharks are looking to shore up their goaltending depth in their system so maybe nico dawes or akira i don't think they would trade akira schmid but maybe one of them would uh, be part of that package probably more likely nico dawes at this point i think the devils probably think high, more highly of schmid um, but yeah, I could but see Nico, Shakir. Nico did make back. the all-star team, uh, in the A, which is, you know, that's probably encouraging as a trade bait piece, right? You know, it, it does show that he is capable. Yeah. And he has 25 games to his NHL career already because of the devil's goaltending situation a season ago. So like some teams probably got a pretty decent look at him, uh, last season a little bit. And, you know, his numbers weren't great last season, but he fared well given the circumstances. So yeah, I think um could see him a part of uh, a deal as well, um, especially since the Devils got quite a few goaltending prospects at this point. You know, it's not just a Kirish Mead. They have Jakob Malik and um, Tyler Brennan in their system, and they always draft a goalie in the mid-rounds of any draft, so I'm sure they're going to do it again in June when the draft rolls around. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, any other team news that you want to touch on? Yeah, just briefly, I want to touch on Kevin LeBanc. I know Devils fans obviously would not be thrilled with getting LeBanc from the Sharks. Um, I, I just could see the Twitter meltdown from uh, fans when the Devils get an announced, the Devils and the Sharks announce a trade for not Timo Meyer, and it ends up being LeBanc. Um, but uh, the fourth period did connect him to the Devils, and I think that's just part of the Devils really. You know, just kind of putting their they're putting their feel they're putting feelers out there. They've been connected to a bunch of names this uh, season. So they're truly trying, clearly trying to get someone. The thing with LeBanc is his uh, cap hits four point seven two five million dollars, and there's no way the Devils would take that on in full. But the you know, if the Sharks say they retain like a million uh, to one point two five million, and that gets his cap at around three point five million, he's a pretty good middle six forward to have. And at that cap hit, it's still. 
keeps the devils. Um, this obviously they wouldn't be getting Meyer. This means Meyer would have gone somewhere else at this point if they're getting LeBanc. So if they get LeBanc at, retained at like three and a half million dollars for the next, I think he has two seasons left on his deal. You get a middle six upgrade and it keeps your cap space. You still have valuable cap space uh, available to go pursue a bigger name this off season uh, if it comes to that. So, you know, it wouldn't, obviously he would not be the first, second, or even maybe third guy the Devils fans want to pick up this trade deadline, but he would More help. Like he's had a real, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like probably like a fringe top five player that Devils fans would want, even if that, that's probably being even a little generous, but he would be but a good pickup for this he's a local kid, team. right? Born in Staten yeah, Island. Yeah, he's from Staten Island. Um, yeah, he is local kid. And he played his junior hockey with like, I think he played with like the New Jersey Rockets and the North Jersey Avalanche at one point. I'd have to go look that up on his Elite Prospects page, but yeah, he is a local kid. So um, he'd be a good add. Um, he's had a really, really good season for the the Sharks kind of quietly. I know his 25 points in 45 games doesn't seem like much, but uh, his ice time is basically like third line ice time and his but his five on five scoring, he's been averaging 2.11 points for 60 minutes this season, which is like the scoring rate of a first liner. So um, to me, I just look at his numbers and think like, Hey, if he gets a little bigger of a role, I think there's a little more upside with him. So um, obviously not, I'm not advocating for the devils to get LeBanc over Meyer or Besser or any of their other top prospects, but uh, just, you know, if it does happen and I think the chances of that are low, it wouldn't be a bad ad for the Devils. It gives them a lot of flexibility moving forward, and they still get an upgrade um, to their middle six at the very least, which if the Devils don't get Meyer, I feel like, or Besser, I feel like their moves uh, would just be shoring up depth at that point. I don't see them really going for big names until the offseason if they miss out on those two guys, but I think it's more likely they get one of those guys uh, than not. So you don't see that as part of a package with Meyer? Dude. No, this just cap wise, it's not going to work because Meyer. You got to assume Meyer is going to get eight to nine million dollars um, on his next contract annually, and you know if they get even if the, the Sharks retain a little bit on LeBanc, you're still adding twelve million new dollars to your cap, and if you want to resign Brat, then things get pretty difficult after that, and you still have a lot of the roster to fill out for next season with guys like Ryan Graves, Damon Severson, Tomas Tatar, Eric Halla, all being free agents. Obviously, the Devils are not going to bring back all of those guys, but uh, I could see Tatar being back on a another short-term deal, maybe at a little less than his $4.5 million cap hit right now. So there's other things you need to do as well. So I, I can't see uh, the Devils getting both of those guys. So I think that would be really surprising if they did. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I, I don't know what happened with Tatar in Montreal, but from all accounts, he's been a great locker room guy for this team. Uh, and a great veteran leader. Um, and you know he he puts in a, a shift each night. Maybe he's not putting up the points we originally thought he would. But, you know, he's he's a very solid top nine forward. Yeah, he's had a really nice bounce back season. I wrote about it in the Wild uh, recap. Um, that uh, with the two goals last night, he's on pace for 47 points this season, which is pretty solid for like a middle six forward. And you never know, maybe he gets to the 50-point mark if he – gets hot over the last 30 games. But uh, yeah, I could see them bringing him back just because they need that depth moving forward. And since Arseny Gritsyuk is going to be spending at least one more season in the KHL, you you don't have someone like him to fill out the third line or second line next season. So bringing back Tatar. Plus, like you said, the off-ice thing, like it seems like he's a great locker room guy. And I think that's part of the reason why the Devils value him too is that they want to have him for the, the locker room presence. Um, you know, veteran presence too, because the team is still pretty young. So I could see them bringing him back for on and off ice reasons. Yeah, and you you'd almost hope that a Zetterlin kind of turns into a, a Tatar light, almost, or even a Tatar, right? So yeah, to, to just have him around the younger players and 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 teach them what what it means to be a true professional day in and day out, um, I think is is extremely valuable. Yeah, I agree. So um, I could definitely see him being back next season. All right. Uh, is that a wrap on team news? Yeah, that, that covers it for me. All righty. Let's move into stat attack. All right, Alex, why don't you kick us off with stat attack? Uh, I think based off our pre-show discussions, this might not be a favorable one. Um, yeah, I was going to go with something like that, but I'm actually just going to go with we were talking about 30 seconds ago. Um, I'm going to stick with Thomas Tatar here. Um 
Obviously, in the wild game, Lindy Ruff finally broke up the Andre Pilat, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt line, which I thought was long overdue, although I, was, I thought it was kind of funny that they had one of their best periods in quite some time in the first period, and he still broke them up, but whatever. Um, I'm going with Tatar and Nico Heischer here because I think um, that that's something that Ruff should try to put back together, especially since Nico Heischer is in a sort of a bit of a slump right now. He only has three points in his last seven games, and they're all assists. He doesn't have any goals. Um, and Tatar and Heischer this to, season have been... To be been, fair, though, he did have that sexy move in the... Uh, the crossbar. The cracking yeah, the cracking. Game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he danced Larson at the line, and then, whoo, that was that Yeah, was sexy. he did but get yeah, unlucky on that one. Yeah, he did get unlucky on that one, but um, and this also kind of ties into how poorly the Devils have been playing at five on five really since January first. Um, but Tatar and, and Heischer this season, I'm pulling this from the article I wrote for Infernal Access yesterday, which is free for all to read. There's no paywall on this one, so if you haven't read it, go check it out. Uh, but since opening night, the Tatar and Heischer have a 59.71 Corsi percentage and a 63.7 expected goals percentage together. However, however, they've only played three minutes together since January 1, which I don't really understand because they have such a good track record together. And their good track record doesn't, it's not just the season two. Like they played really well together last season as well. So I think Rob should be trying to get due to Palat coming back. Um, yeah, I do definitely think that. And, but I think moving forward, um, and I guess when Jack gets back, you want to have Plot and Jack in a small sample. It's like less than 50 minutes together, though. Um, they have really good numbers together this season, so I would probably put Plot and Jack back together whenever Jack is coming back. And then you put Tatar with Heischer. And I guess you could either have Tatar, Heischer, and Zettelin reunite, or you could have Brat with Tatar and Heischer, too. Either of those lines have worked really well. But um, I think if the Devils want to start picking it up back at 5-5, five and five, Ruff has to start going to some combinations that he knows works. And we know Tatar and Heischer have a really good track record together. So that's something he should be trying to put back together here. And I don't know when he's... I, after the Wild game, he's definitely going to stick with Palat, Heischer, and Mercer as his first line. So I don't know when he's going to do that. I guess you'd have to wait for Jack to come back. But um, I would definitely try to be putting Nico and Tatar back together. Yeah, no, I think I think I agree. And Tatar is not afraid to get into the dirty spaces and might open up Nico to to some more goals. And yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Zetterlin. I think Zetterlin's played pretty well since getting back in the lineup more regularly. Uh, he's had a bunch of points, albeit assists, but um, you know he had that great you know little touch pass to Jack on the breakaway against Vancouver, and he's picked up a couple other points since then. So. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing re- reuniting that that top line because for a while they they were top three or four in the league as a line in, in, in expected goals. Yeah, and they still are like because mostly because they haven't played together in such a long time, but they still have like sixty four percent. I think they're at sixty four percent in the expected goals this season, which makes them one of the Devils' best lines this season. So. I would try to get them back together. Uh, I think you're just going to have to wait until Jack comes back, and then you have like a, a Brat Palat um, Hughes second line. That would be pretty good. But um, yeah, got to change something to get it going at five on five. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, mine's um, going to be surrounding Dougie, and I think we've seen this all over Twitter and, and the broadcast, but Dougie Hamilton has already eclipsed his career high in points and we have 30 games left something like that unreal i mean this is the dougie we expected when we signed him to that monster deal i mean this is incredible he's racking up assists and goals he really seems to be loving his role on this team i mean god his slap shot is ridiculous on the power play more recently um yeah just shout out to dougie this is just a, a an appreciation post for Dougie in, in stat attack because this is this is I I mean this might even be more than what we expected from from offensive output to be eclipsing your career high in points this early in the season um so yeah shout out to Dougie that that's been nothing but fantastic yeah you know John Klingberg had some of his best years on the Lindy Ruff in Dallas so maybe it's not too surprising to see Dougie having his best year under Lindy Ruff uh, I think just the way the Devils play kind of favors offensive defensemen like that 
Um, but yeah, he's been fantastic this season. There's, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation because of the way McCarr, Adam Fox, and uh, Eric Carlson have played this season. But uh, he could definitely get some top five votes, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a defenseman put up this type of points. I mean, yeah, we were I happy when Damon put up like 30. So, like, you know, now we're at 51, you know, a little bit past the halfway point of the season. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, got to be since like the Rafalski days, uh, since we've had a defenseman who could put up points like that. That's that's for sure. Yeah, Rafalski, Niedemeyer, those two were, were our top point getters from from the blue line. Um, okay, that's the end of Stat Attack. Let's move into Devil's Dungeon. Alex, who are you throwing in Devil's Dungeon this week? Yeah, I'm kind of throwing in the whole team for their five-on-five play. Um, like, they're not getting burned by it yet, but if they don't improve it at some point, it will get to them, whether that's in the playoffs against the Rangers or another bit of a long losing streak that costs them home ice against the Rangers in the playoffs. They got to figure it out at five on five. And the hard thing for me is to, is trying to figure out is how much of it is on the players and how much of it is on the coaching staff or not trying to get them to adjust. Um, like as the coaching staff, just being kind of stubborn and just, you know, like stick with it, it'll start working or are they making adjustment in the players aren't really executing them? Uh, right now uh, so they got to figure it out on five on five the wild game was definitely a little bit better and they had some better moments in the kraken game too so maybe that's trending in the right direction and maybe it'll get even better whenever jack gets back into the lineup as well but uh i'm throwing in the team's five on five play right now just got to be a lot better than it's been the last four or five weeks they will have they will get into a bit of a rut at some point if it doesn't get better yeah, completely agree. And, you know, shout out to CJ because I know he put out a couple Twitter pieces and, and some pretty good visuals on um, the expected goals. Uh, the Devils, I mean, they were top of the league for the first half, but ever since then, they're, they're bottom five team and expected goals, right? It's a, l- a little bit Yeah, concerning. like bottom five, bottom ten, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's turn that around. Uh, my Devil's Dungeon is actually not for a devil, but for uh, Brady Kachuk. Um, <laughs> like, what a dickhead! I mean, like, it's an All Star game. Like, why are you slew footing Jack and pulling him down? Like, what? What kind of nonsense is that? I mean, yeah, it was the Kachuk homecoming. The two brothers on the same line, and their dad. In, in in the in the, in the stands uh, on the mother uh, getting an interview with Kaplan before I mean yeah all nice and fine but like what the hell was that um, and I know Elliot confirmed that wasn't the reason Jack got hurt but it didn't help it didn't help so um, yeah that's my devil's dungeon so yeah I, uh, the next time we play the senators if Bastion doesn't drop the gloves with him or ball or someone uh, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling the Kachuk was going the route you were going. I actually didn't see the play live. I just saw the replays of it. But uh, it was a dangerous play, especially in an exhibition game. You shouldn't be trying to pull that kind of stunt. And you know, the Devils are fortunate that Jack didn't get hurt uh, that way. And uh, I don't. I mean, there's nothing to indicate that he even made whatever he's dealing with worse. So um, yeah, the Devils got lucky in that sense. That wasn't the, what injured him, but uh, yeah, that wasn't the smartest play by Brady. Uh, got to know better in that situation in, in an all-star game. In a, in a game, all right, like still not a great play, but at least it's like an NHL game that has some meaning. But in the all-star game, yeah, that just can't happen. Yeah, I think you knew that was coming after the barrage of texts I sent you uh, Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. Uh, during the all-star game. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that one coming. Uh, all right, well, that's a wrap on Devil's Dungeon. Let's move into three stars of the week. Alex, why don't you kick us off with your third star? Yeah, so third star going with Mackenzie Blackwood. I know he only got one start this week, but it was definitely the best start uh, a Devil's goalie put up. Uh, that was the Kraken game, obviously. What did he make? Like 33 or 34 saves on either 34 or 35 shots. Um, so uh deserves some credit for the way he's played lately. I think in his last five games, he has a 919 save percentage or somewhere around there so you know i think I, I thought at one point that the devils would be looking for a goalie at the trade deadline but um with the way mckenzie is playing lately uh don't really see any need to pursue that um at least ahead of the trade deadline if you want to 
try in the offseason, then sure. But right now, don't need to touch that since Mac is playing well. And uh, yeah, his one, I mean, they don't get the two points in that game without him. So he's my third star. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I think I'm going to throw Jack as my third star for this week. I know he only played one game this week, but I think it's a, you know, that one game he was outstanding. He had three points, two goals, uh, and his impact was incredible. Um, and he almost even had the OT winner when Q, uh, Quinn uh, caught him at the end of the shift. Um, but also, you know, I think he did a fantastic job representing the Devils at the All-Star game. Uh, it really seems like the league wants to make him one of the faces of the league. Um, you know, he's got that infectious smile. Um, he does need to get a little bit better in interviews and not be so standoffish. But, you know, when you see the behind the scenes, uh, you know, PK put that put that uh, video up from the locker room. So, yeah, yeah I shout that. out to Jack. I, I thought he was a great ambassador for the Devils there and then obviously had a ridiculous game against the Canucks. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Even though he only played that one game this week, his 13 shot attempts at all strengths was second on the team. So, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, he had nine shots on goal. He played one game and he had nine shots on goal, which was, I'm looking at this right, that was second on the team this week. It was third to Dougie Hamilton and uh, Ryan Graves. So, um, and his shot attempts I mean, were Ryan actually Graves. third. Oh, God. Yeah, Ryan Graves was, had a pretty good week too, even though he didn't have points. But um, yeah, Jack played one game and he was in the top three for shots on goal and shot attempts this week, which is insane. And, and he had that great, great pass to Jesper to, to wrap it up in the Canucks game too. Yep. So um, yeah, yep. it's not a bad third start. It's crazy you can put a player in three stars of the week when they only play one game. It speaks to the season that Jack is having. Seriously. Uh, why don't you... Kick us off with your second star, Alex. Yeah, second star for me is Andre Palat. Really good week. Um, had two goals and three assists. All of his assists were primary assists as well. Um, you know, the shot generation wasn't really there, but, I mean, he produced, so whatever. Um, he got the shots. Uh, he got the goals. Um, been playing I mean, pretty well since. Palat goals, right? Like, that's what you saw in the Lightning. He's obviously not your top shot generator, but, I mean, he just finishes. Yeah, um, yeah, no, exactly. And, um, you know, he's been really playing really well since you called him out on the pod. So, as you said, clearly listening to uh, our episodes on a weekly basis. So, uh, shout out to Andre um, for responding well and playing, uh, having a really good week. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to piggyback off you. I think our second and first stars will probably be the same this week. Um, Palat, outstanding. Um, I guess I, I will get a, give an honorable mention um, before we get to the first star with Tomash as well. I thought he's had yeah. a strong week uh, outside of yesterday's game. Obviously, he had the two points, uh, the two goals, but he's also, I think, played pretty well. The other games, he, he, he racked up a couple assists uh, when looking at the box score. So uh, honorable mention to Tomas. But yeah, my second star of the week is obviously Palat. Yeah. And then first star, I'm pretty sure we're on the same page here, is Dougie Hamilton. Teach me um, how to Dougie. Teach me, teach, yeah. teach, teach me how to Dougie. So let's go over his insane stat line. So this week, six points in three games, two goals, um, four assists. Three of them were secondary assists, but who cares, whatever. Um, he had 10 shots on goal in three games, which is insane for a defenseman. Uh, Ryan Graves did have 11, though. Um, he had 22 shot attempts, um, scoring chances. He had eight, which tied Diego Sharangovich for first on the team. This week, so he, he had a ridiculous week. Um, he's just doing Dougie stuff. I mean, this is kind of, I think it, like you said before, it's more than what we would have expected from him when they first signed them. But uh, yeah, career season for Dougie, and this week kind of just sums up that career week, he's uh, career seasons he's been having. Yeah, uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, and I really don't have much more to add. Um, I know he doesn't wear an A, but he's definitely taken a step in the leadership role. I think they did try and put an A on him when he first joined, and maybe that's just not who he is, a vocal leader. I'm, he seems to be very soft-spoken in all the interviews and whatnot, and uh, he did have a bit of comedy with the big hat this week as well. Uh, so I think <laughs> yeah. in your stat line, you did forget to mention a game-winning goal. Um, so right, yeah. You know, and, that, and that's he's had a bunch this year. I think, was it six? game-winning goals he's had this year yeah i mean i can remember the one he had against the penguins in overtime uh there was another overtime one recently too that i can't remember off the top of my head that he had um so and obviously the game winner against the kraken in regulation this week so yeah he's done it quite a bit 
Yeah, he, he's doing okay. Um, yeah. All right, that's a, that's a wrap on three stars. Alex, let's look at the week ahead. Um, as you mentioned, it's it's a little bit of a softer week. Uh, we have, we're in Columbus on Tuesday and then in St. Louis on Thursday, both teams out of the playoff race. And then we wrap up with the Penguins Saturday and a home game with Winnipeg on Sunday. So it is a very busy week. Um the first two, you know, I think we should expect uh, wins, right? Um, you know, the Blues are dealing away their team and Columbus is in the depths of hell. So <laughs> do you see Jack coming back on uh, for the Penguins game? Um, I think I just see like the thing is, I just don't know what his injury is. But, you know, I definitely can't rule it out. He's traveling with the team as is Brendan Smith. Um, and, you know, these next two games are two games that they sh- uh, the, the Blue Jackets and the Blues are games that they should win without Jack. So, um, I mean, they're pretty far ahead of the Penguins, too, so it's not like you really need him to play. Um, but that is a that divisional game, game, right? That's that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Up, yeah. yeah, points up for grab. Yeah, so if his if they think he's ready to go on Saturday, I could definitely – and that's a weird start time, 5.30 on a Saturday evening. Um they, yeah, I could see him back for that game. Um, you know, it is the first half of a back-to-back, though, so we'll have to see. Um, I'm Obviously sure we'll get the Winnipeg game, but he is traveling. To your point, yeah, exactly. So um, we'll see if, if Lindy Ruff gives any updates throughout the week. It'll probably give us a better indication. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. If they, Lindy Ruff did say he's thinking, you know, he, Jackson. He said Jackson Young guy, so I'm thinking on the shorter end of week to week. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's definitely possible. From a point expectation out of these four games, what, what do you want? Six out of eight, or how you see in this? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely got to get two and two against the Blue Jackets and the Blues. Like, those are not games you should drop points in. Penguins game, uh, it would be nice to get something out of that, but at least a point would be nice. Uh, Three point games, I don't really. Not sure how much they don't do much for the Penguins, I think, at this point, but maybe I'm reading that wrong. And then uh, Winnipeg's a good team, actually. This should be an interesting game. So um, I think five and eight is kind of like the five out of eight is the bare minimum you want. And if you, a really, really good week would be six out of eight for sure. Yeah. Um, shout out to Rick Bonus. What a turnaround that's been. Yeah. In Winnipeg. Uh, really maybe some uh, Jack Adams. Yeah. It'd be some Jack Adams conversation for him this season, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Um, Anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap this one up? No, that's uh, going to do it for me this week. Yeah, I, I think Alex and I will still discuss what, what we're going to do recording-wise. Do we wait until after the Winnipeg game and record Monday, or do we kind of just put that yeah. as a next week game that's a to-be-determined right now? Yeah, yeah, it might make more sense to do it Monday, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it over the week. Yeah, so... All right, guys. Well, I hope uh, everyone has enjoyed our comeback uh, off the two-week break and everyone's getting together with friends and family for the Super Bowl uh, this afternoon or this evening. Um, And with that being said, that's a wrap on episode 19. Let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. Devils.